Greetings and welcome to Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where we'll discuss the art and stylings of Ryan Marlett. The artwork is all over the place, so be advised it could be fun, but it could be dark. It might be a painting, drawing, sculpture, Halloween prop, action figure or song. Each episode will feature a piece or pieces and the insight behind them. Hopefully you'll like some stuff, other things you may not. No worries. Chances are also that you'll likely be offended at some point but hopefully we'll also share some laughs along the way. Art has always been a part of Ryan's life and this is a way to document his work and share it with you. If you get butthurt easily, consider this your warning. Besides, your mom likes his artwork. Listener discretion is advised. good whatever time of day it is that you're listening. It happens to be 616, because I can't get 666 on the clock, but it's 616 as I sit here right now recording this for you. Welcome back, Marley Mates, to Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where we are now in week three of the special October edition of the program. So we've got week three, and this is an episode with three pieces for you. We're going to talk about some things, and we have such sights to show you. The first one we're going to talk about is a faux stained glass piece. The second one we're going to talk about is also a faux stained glass piece. And the third one we're going to talk about is just kind of a little bonus feature. So let's get to it. I've mentioned once before that I've attempted a stained glass technique, and it's it's an interesting process. But this piece happens to be the very first attempt that I used at creating this faux glass, faux stained glass technique, rather. The title of the piece is called Pain for Some. Its dimensions are 12 by 15, and it was finished on 3 April of 22. And if you recall back to the the May 4th special uh, Star Wars Day edition episode, I featured a similar piece with a variety of different Darth Vaders. And in this one, I used the likeness of Pinhead, from the Hellraiser franchise on the depiction of a religious form or body. And overall, it was pretty rough in terms of detail and precision. The black lines are very thick and crude at times. And as I mentioned, it was my first attempt and I had only used like the very thick tip of a glue bottle. So the technique is to mix black acrylic paint with like an Elmer's glue type solution and draw the lines onto the glass directly, let them dry, and then go back and paint over within the lines. And as time went on, I got better and better because I was able to practice more, just like with anything, you you get better at it. I was able to acquire uh, some different types of tips to use. Uh, in different bottles for my buddy Cooch, hooked me up with those, and I was able to get more precise. But even though this was kind of my first attempt, 
and didn't quite turn out as I had hoped or expected it to. I really actually quite loved the way it turned out. And, you know, basically the process involves the, the lines, like I said, drawing on there in advance in reverse and then painting backwards. And so the whole process becomes somewhat color book in the end, and it can be kind of tedious. But the end result to me is pretty phenomenal. I really like how this turned out. Like I said, I, I wanted to try this from the beginning. I used the image of Pinhead because I couldn't simply just recreate a, a classy looking stained glass inspired piece. I had to jack it up somehow. So of course, with a lot of stained glass imagery, you'll see mostly used in religious settings. I used a very common religious body form with the with the burning heart and so forth and the in the line work and the, the placement of the hands and so forth and then i added the pinhead cenobite head in place of the on the figure and it just works um, <laughs> it looks organic it looks like it's meant to be that way of course the detail in the face is very minimal because of the way the lines just kind of expanded and they, they just more or less kind of flattened out. But what was great about this is that even though there's not a whole lot of detail in the face, where the detail does come into play is in the eyes directly and then the forehead. And the eyes are very specific. They are very pinpoint looking right into your soul, almost by design. And then the forehead has his lines because Pinhead, as you know, has all these different pins and needles, nails, if you will, in a very grid-like pattern over his entire face, over the entire head. And so that comes across as very clear. And what I had to do once the line work was laid down around the head, I had to pull out some of those lines. So I had to use another tool and kind of just draw those out to, to pull them out. And that way it kind of it, it kind of showcases what that's all about. And then behind them, the, the background is very standard in terms of just trying to fill space with what was in a similar style, the way that faux or rather stained glass techniques are used is, you know, the different shapes of cut glass and so forth. And so oftentimes artists will, who work in stained glass will take a piece of glass or cut it to shape uh, but other pieces are just kind of molded around with what they have. And so this very much resembles that with a variety of different crude and, and unbalanced line work. Around the head of the figure is a very solid gold circle. And then around that is another kind of a misshapen red circle, both which have just a variety of different lines in there to break up the, the glass, if you will. And then around that some more is additional gold. But what I did was to kind of fill it in and look a little bit random or as if there were not enough materials to, to completely be solid in color is that I used a few shades of orange in there as well so that they, they almost match the gold, but not quite. And that's by design. And that way it looks like there is some intentional or unintentional rather uh, just kind of patchwork. The head of the figure is a very light blue, 
as well as its hands and neck. And like I said, it has the burning, bleeding heart. So you've got the a red and orange heart in the middle surrounded by beams of light of gold. And then the robe that he is wearing is just white. And over its arms, his arms, there are some draped red, um, like scarf-like thing. I don't know, whatever the sleeves are made out of traditionally and used in that type of setting. But even though this was a, a challenging piece to begin with to to practice on, like I said before, I do like how it turned out. I think it fits the theme of this this week and this month's theme of various horror and or Halloween-inspired material. Now, the frame itself around there is an off-white wooden frame. And where I typically wouldn't choose a frame of that nature, I feel like it works with this because it adds a little bit of balance. It adds a little bit of unexpected tradition. It almost resembles like an actual wooden framework that you would see in a church-like setting or any sort of um, actual window that is made out of stained glass. It, it, it appears to be framed in as such. So yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm pleased with it. And um, yeah, I think I'll hang on to it. The second piece this week is also a faux stained glass technique inspired piece. The title of it is called Cutouts. Its dimensions are also 12 by 15, and I finished this one on 10 April of 22. And as I mentioned, this piece was finished about a week later from the first one, and I wasn't also entirely pleased with the quality of it, but the subject for this week, it fits the episode. Uh, as I've mentioned before, they're not all blue-eyed gems. You know, I can't necessarily say that I like every piece that I do. Sometimes you got to try and, and fail. And and even if it's not a total failure, it's not, you know, it's still, a, it's, a, it's an effort. It's, it's still, it's growth, it's development. And so um, it didn't turn out as, as good as I had hoped and, and it's okay, it's decent, uh, but I think it evokes a feeling. And I think when I look at it, I see Halloween, and you'll you'll understand why here very momentarily. It's it's obvious that um, the inspiration behind this particular piece is that of vintage Halloween cutout decorations. I love these things. I have a, a, a pretty significant significant collection of them, many of which are from my own childhood. Some of which belong to my grandmother, and I cherish them because they. They don't quite make things like that anymore, and that's that's the sound of of old people's when when you hear somebody say they don't make things like that anymore. Well, that's that's the case for these. Like they may make some reproduced decorations like this, and and in fact, there's actually I take that back. There are some uh, actual companies that have done these style of cutouts inspired by the older versions of them from the the 70s and 80s, and they're just they're just absolutely phenomenal. But I love these things, and so I wanted to somehow translate that into a stained glass type version. And so what I did was uh, I put a pumpkin slash scarecrow head and a classic witch. And I'm sure that once you look at the image, you'll you'll probably recognize these, or at least they may resemble something that you've seen before that looks inspired by this style. And like I said before, it was an earlier attempt. And overall, I've, I've probably done about 10 or so of these types of pieces. 
And all in all, they look pretty cool. Um, each somewhat improves upon the last, and they're they're not really hard to do. The problem is, is that there's not a, a ton of creativity with them. I think they're they're cool and they're fun, and I think they lead to something um, that can that can be enhanced and built upon. But for the most part, the the creativity is deciding like what to to do it on, what the subject matter will be. And then being able to just use the the glue paint mixture to create your line work. And then from there on out, it's kind of just like filling in the, the blanks. And so it gets to be somewhat challenging depending on the types of paint that you're using, depending on the color scheme that you want to use. And it's all done in reverse. And so it becomes... A little bit more challenging doing it that way because we're used to layering from bottom to top and this way it kind of works backwards so whatever that initial layer is going to be is going to be down first and working your way up and so not all of the paint really took as well as i had hoped it would in certain spots and certain colors the white sometimes became challenging to work with around the witch you'll see some cobwebs in the upper uh, left-hand corner. And there's a, a few elements of just kind of some splotchiness. And then there's some areas of gray between the witch and the pumpkin or scarecrow rather that didn't quite take as well. On the scarecrow's hat, the pumpkin's hat, there is some brown that did not also quite take. So, it, I mean, there's some elements that I, I wish would be a little bit better. There's some color variation that I used in between just to kind of mix it up and add some variety. Looking back on it now, I'm, I'm not crazy about the color choices. I wish I would have kept it more of a of an autumn type pattern instead of some of the colors that I had used. But it's it's a learning process. And so there's some things that, about it that I absolutely love, other things that I'm not crazy about. But that's kind of the whole point. And I hope that you're able to take something away from this and if not learn from my mistakes, you know, take these types of things into considerations when working on your own stuff. I hope you can hear the dogs barking in the background because that's really, you know, not distracting in the least way, shape or form. But hey, that's what we got when we uh, when we do stuff and things of this nature. We just get what we get and we don't throw a fit. You know what I'm saying? The third piece this week, believe it or not, is my favorite out of the three. And it's really not even so much an art piece. It's just kind of more of something creative that I, I saw the potential in something and just went with it. It's uh, The final piece is called Fear of the Dark. And its dimensions are 17 by 14. And I finished this on 7 April of 22. And I found this old wooden frame. It was a thrift shop find. It has 13 oval cutouts to represent school years. And each one of the cutouts um, has like a, a sec, like a separate section underneath it to represent uh, each of the grade below it. And at the bottom of the piece, it has wooden raised letters that says school days on it. And while some may argue that it isn't much of an art piece, it's more of a collage to just showcase some classic monsters. I would probably agree with them that that's really what it is. Um, I feel like I was able to use a little bit of creativity with it. But not, uh, it's not super artistic, I guess. But that's okay. Uh, I did remove the letters from the word school. And I painted the word ghoul 
in uh, neon green color and then I use the neon green and I put some of those classic dots around the, the rest of the piece as well. And then from top to bottom, uh, I used like a very bright red blood, very glossy to, to appear as if it's dripping around and from some of the ovals. And it just kind of works its way down the frame. And some of them I laid it on so thick that you can actually see there is, it just like actually hangs and it dried and hardened off of the, in, over the, uh, the gaps. And so it drips all the way down the entire piece and then it runs over the edge of the bottom frame. And so to me, I just think it's, I don't know, I really, I like how it works because it's very, for the most part, monochromatic. It's just a, a very plain, flat, brown frame. And then all of the images that I put in place of where the school pictures would go are all printed in the grayscale on black and white. And then other than the green and red, that's it. Like it's very bland in terms of color, but the use of color pops just enough. So like I said, I use the green for the lettering. So instead of saying school days, now it says ghoul days. And, and it's just got the, the blood drips on it. And so to me, when I saw this, it was just a no-brainer for me to use this to pay tribute to so many of the great classic monsters that have paved the way for horror enthusiasts today. While you probably recognize most of them, some lesser-known monsters are the, the Metaluna mutant from this island Earth, the nurse from the Twilight Zone episode, Eye of the Beholder, and the Martian from the Twilight Zone to serve man. Um... Two of my favorite episodes of all time. Just absolutely incredible. It's a cookbook. Are you kidding me? Uh, the Brain That Wouldn't Die is in there. Uh, one of the iconic zombies from George R. Romero's Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Like I said, all printed in, in the black and white grayscale. And on the surface, it's easy to see the monsters that one could quickly glance at and just put past this. But one of the Easter eggs that I, I like about this piece and if you know, you know. But I used under where the, the the grades would be, the number of spaces lined up just perfectly to use the opening lyrics. It's not even song lyrics, from, but it's, it was used to introduce the song uh, Iron Maiden in 1992 from the their live Rock and Rio concert prior to entering Fear of the Dark. Bruce Dickinson says, a light in the black or just a fear of the dark. And then it goes into it and it's just, it's money. But the way that that live performance was captured, that has become a very well-known and, and just a solid staple in that song. And so like, I can't even think about that song without hearing that in my mind first. And the, the number of spaces available made it just right for that to happen and and it works and so from top to bottom left to right i've got frank the mummy dracula bride of frank metaluna mutant um the nurse from i had the beholder the martian from to serve man the brain that wouldn't die the invisible man the wolf man lon cheney jr 
then I have The Gill Man, then I have Phantom of the Opera of Lon Chaney Sr., and of course, uh, to wrap it up at the bottom, George Romero's uh, very well-known zombie from Night of the Living Dead. And it's just a classic piece, and it works. And it's, uh, I don't know, I, I love it. Once I got everything in place and I secured it all, I went over everything with a glaze hardener. It was actually a puzzle saver that I used to find. The Dollar Tree used to sell it. And this stuff was money. It was, it was a great glaze advertised to, to help kind of preserve puzzles. And I would get it just to use as a as like a gloss agent or something to harden over pieces just to protect them. And then all of a sudden it was no longer available, but that stuff was great. And I, I used it on here to hopefully kind of preserve the, just the, the black and white print of these images. And uh, I hope that it will maintain as such for years to come. So um, yeah. I love this piece. I really do. And it just kind of worked out that way. Hey, Marley mates. What's that you ask? Where can I get my official Marley Ramones Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast merch? Well, I'll tell you. Head on over to Spreadshirt.com and you can find a whole plethora of different things. We got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, coffee mugs, you name it. So you can rock out with your gear on. What did you think I was going to say? Go on over, show some love. And uh, sport your podcast gear like a boss. Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy and never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at MRMMHOD. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, if there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988, then press 1, or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative, and go tell someone you love them.